Welcome to We Go There. I'm Lexi. And I'm Nikki. And our favorite conversations are when someone starts by saying, this might be TMI, but... But hey, we go there. Because there's no such thing as having too much information when it comes to your health and wellness. We dive deep into topics, interview experts, and get answers you need. Because knowledge is power. And feeling empowered is what we're all about. So let's go there. Today is going to be a very necessary episode, especially when I share with you the story of what happened in my house last night, but we'll get into that. We are with the amazing Corey Stern. She's a child behavior specialist, and Corey has a lot of letters behind her name. She's a mom herself. So Corey, welcome. We really just want to explain, or we want you to explain um, if you possible, more about what you do and all the schooling you have done to become the expert that you are. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Lexi and Nikki. So I myself am a child behavior specialist. My background is twofold. I studied early child development and education, and I am also a board certified behavior analyst. So by trade, I'm, I'm a registered teacher. I don't teach in the classroom. I just studied education at length. I did my master's in education. Um, I then worked in clinical practice and early behavior intervention and fell in love with it. So went back to school for another few years to become a board certified behavior analyst. So um, when I started my private practice about four years ago now, I brought together my background in early child development education, um, behavior analysis, which is just the study of behavior, the study of how we learn, and all my experience in parenting, and I've done a lot of studying in positive parenting and the positive parenting approach. So I brought all those together to provide parents with a very unique approach to parenting and raising a cooperative, resilient, and well-balanced kiddo. Oh, That's summary. <laughs> that sounds like the dream right there. That is the goal, right? <laughs> Help us. Yeah. So <laughs> now we're just going <laughs> to unleash all of our questions yeah, exactly. around. And Nikki, exactly. why don't you just dive into yesterday? Because we're both in, in yeah, sure. a very similar mm-hmm. um, situation at home right now. So, okay. If finally, I was just texting Lexi for this episode and I was like, I might be a few minutes late. Like, you know, Hendrick, my two and a half year old was puking all night. And she's like, oh my God, Clark was puking at a birthday party, blah, blah, blah. Like, so we both have pukey two and a half year olds at home. But what one thing that was bothering me last night, and Lexi, you echoed this, was the lack of empathy from the older sister who is now four and a half. Both of us also have four and a half year olds, um, older sisters. And so like last night, I'm literally holding him he just like projectile vomited again, like third time I'm to change his shirt all over me, him. I am now like holding him like kind of like a football so he can throw up in the kitchen sink. Mm-hmm. And she's completely oblivious. And she's like, mommy, and like practically stepping in the puke that's on the kitchen floor. Mommy, I want to, wa- I don't like this show or I don't, I don't know if it was a show or the music or something like it was completely about her. And I was like, Gabrielle, does it look like mommy has her hands full right now? What 
how is your brother feeling right now? Like I was just trying so hard not to be like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, you know, but, but it was very, it was, it was triggering. I was like, oh my God, are you going to be completely narcissistic, selfish bitch when you grow up? Like, <laughs> exactly. You know? That's the thought that goes through your head. You're like, like I, you're you know. so self-centered right now. Yes. And Lexi, you were saying how you've also noticed a lack of empathy, you know, or like at least competition with the older one. Oh, completely. I, Piper, we just said, I feel like it's, back to where when the twins were first born where she's really trying to get attention and so now she's like wakes up and says how's Clarky feeling this morning um oh he's you know he's not well oh I'm very sick I don't feel well and then like burst into tears so help us so everything you guys are talking about here is like par for the course with this age and stage of development right and I I was just telling you guys before so my kids are now eight and six four was by far the hardest stage to go through we never had the terrible twos three was a breeze I even had like my younger one was a hard baby but four was so much harder. And um, I mean, some people get it at two, some people get it at three, some people see it at four. For us, it was at four. It was literally a light switch. Like the day both of my kids turned four, respectively, like a switch had flipped and they became monsters, (laughs) like monsters. But it all links back to this idea that when we look at this developmental age and stage, our kiddos exist in a very egocentric place, right? So when we look at the different egos, a little psych 101, just to give you guys an understanding, there's three different ego states that us as adults float in and out of. There's the parent ego state, the adult ego state, and the child ego state. I'll explain what those are, but our children exist just in the child ego state, whereas we float in and out of them. So the parent ego state is where we are. And by ego state, for those that don't know, just means like personality, state of personality, right? So when we are in the parent ego state, we're very directive and corrective. Do this, come here, stop this, don't do this, time to do this, let's go, put your shoes on, get to bed, right? We're constantly directing and correcting. When we're in the adult ego state, that's where we're more rational. We have more logical thinking, more problem solving. And when we're in the child ego state, we are highly emotional. I I mean, by we, I mean us and our kids. As you know from our, our children, it can go to very high highs and low lows. Like they can be laughing their heads off and then screaming four seconds later, right? Like it's a very emotional state, very playful, um, very child-centered. So our children exist primarily there. And what's interesting about this agency age of development is that it is very egocentric. It's all about me, me, and only me, and I want it now, and I want it my way, and only my way, and that's all that matters. So this doesn't mean they don't have empathy, but it just likely means in that moment when you are caring for another child, they are not feeling as much of the connection as they would like to feel from you because it's going to another child. That like that egocentric state comes out in full force. So you won't see the empathy there. So just to kind of pair this thought with two other very important developmental needs our kids have at this stage to bring it full circle is that our little kiddos are very much hardwired for two important things. One is the need to feel a sense of connection. 
that's like all the attention stuff that we see Mm -hmm. all the attention seeking behaviors it's this drive to feel connected to the caregiver Um, and the other one is the need to feel a sense of empowerment to feel in control a sense of autonomy Nikki's like, yeah. Like, oh my God. That starts that they do that a lot. (laughs) But when, when, like, that starts earlier though, because my two year old's already like, do it myself. Like, that starts young, right? 18 months, we see it. But as they become older and more mature um, and they talk more and they can reason more, right? Like, you just see it come out in such a strong, strong way. So, All of this paired together gives you a four-year-old, or maybe it's a two or a three-year-old for some of you listening, or maybe a five-year-old. For all of us here, it's four. It gives us very egocentric, strong-willed, like narrow tunnel vision kids. Um, It's a stage. It's a phase. It's a stage like everything else. Um, It doesn't mean that they're not going to be empathetic or they're not empathetic. It's just in those moments, especially in the home environment, you might see something quite different (laughs) come out. Yeah, 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 for sure. And so how do you, without wanting to dim their light and wanting them to remain empowered and, you know, we have really strong girls and we I know Nikki's aligned like as many like we want them to maintain that um confidence right so how do you manage that without um also say telling them that their feelings aren't valid yes so I think you just nailed it it's validation right because in those moments like Nikki you're holding a little like munchkin who's puking and not feeling well and then your daughter's like well it's all about me yeah (laughs) in that moment so her world let's put it this way the way we view the world is very different than how our kids view the world we can see the big picture our world is this there like if you guys can see my hand but our world is wide there's just so narrow and tiny especially in their four little years of life we understand big picture we understand perspective we have the empathy we have coping skills, or at least we're learning coping skills when we're triggered. You know, like we can manage stress. They don't have any, like their world is so narrow compared to ours. So we always want to be stepping into their world to provide that validation, even in a moment where they might be completely irrational. Like, hi, I'm holding a, a kid who's puking into the sink. Like, I can't go and change the channel on the TV for you right now, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. but the second you say no to them, the way they internalize that is, well, I'm not important or I'm not as important as him or why won't you do this for me? Do you not love me? Am I, who knows? Like, right, the way they internalize these things, it, it's all about them regardless of their thought process they take it back to their self-worth so you always want to be connecting with them I said the connection piece is really huge and validation goes a long way so Nikki if you're holding your son who's really sick and your daughter's like but mommy I don't like the show change the show or this song you know your response would be like oh I totally get it yeah I know sometimes this isn't your favorite show you want to validate at the end of the day, your child wants to feel seen, heard, and understood. Again, it's about them. It's always about that. But here we are as parents juggling it all, especially if you have a sick child at home or a child who really needs you in that moment. So validation goes a long way. And my three-step framework, which I'm going to give you guys here, this is like... Yes, tell us. Such good timing. 
You can literally <laughs> use this for anything. It can be applied in so many different ways, but you always want to narrate the situation, validate them, and then come up with a plan. So narrate, validate, plan. So it would look something like this. Hey, babe, I know you really don't want this. Oh, or no, let's sorry. Let me take that back. Let's narrate it first. Okay, so let me understand the TV's on right now. You really don't like this show. You totally want something different. Okay, I, I get that. I know you really want to watch something different. Let's come up with a solution because right now I have your brother here and he's not feeling well and I want to help him, but I totally know you want a different show. So you narrated it. So they, they're like, okay, yeah, mom understands what's going on here. You validate it. So you make them feel seen and heard. And then you come up with a plan, which to me is the most important. Well, I shouldn't say the most important part, but we can't forget about it because you start to build coping and problem solving skills here. Okay, here's the plan. I'm just going to hold your brother for, give me five minutes. I'm just going to rub his back, make sure he's okay. When I put him down, then we're going to go and change the channel together. Or why don't you go and grab the converter and bring it over to me and I'll tell you exactly how to change the channel. Right. So you want to provide a solution versus just like shutting them down, shutting them down. Stop yelling at me. Stop asking. I can't help you because all they're hearing is no, 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 no. And we're not we're just we end up in what I call like the power struggle vortex. We're like you're saying no. And then they push back because they want more. And then you just can't. And you say no. And then it, it spirals. We've all been there. We all experience this. Right. So narrate, validate, plan. Like that is your framework that you can literally use in any situation. But moral Love of the that. story, to balance it all, start off with like the validation. It goes a long, long, long. Way. This episode of the We Go There podcast is brought to you by The Bell Method, a fitness company that blends Pilates with pelvic health, creating choreography from science. You might feel overwhelmed at all the abs after baby programs promising to make you bounce back after birth. Or maybe you're feeling unsure of how to exercise in pregnancy and prepare your body for delivery. It can be tough to navigate what information is credible and evidence-based. Women deserve better. I created all of our programs with the guidance of pelvic health physiotherapists, and we continue to evolve our programming to stay current with the latest research. At The Bell Method, we ditch guilt and bring balance to our bodies with programs designed to fit your life stage. We'll help you reduce incontinence, diastasis recti, and prolapse so you feel strong, confident, and empowered throughout pregnancy, postpartum, and beyond. I invite you to enjoy 10% off your first class session with the code WEGOTHERE10. Visit www.thebellmethod.com but not for, for our kids so we were just away over the holidays in Florida and there was a bit of like a vacation hangover the kids didn't want to go back to school on Monday yeah. which was two days ago and I was thinking about it because you know like if you had a friend who was like man like I really just don't feel like going to work today you wouldn't be like oh buck up you love work work is great you know come on work you've got to do it you know you'd be like man I feel you you'd validate your friend right you'd be like yeah this sucks we just spent two weeks in Florida it's so hard to go back to work okay but we gotta do it I hope you have a good day yeah, yeah. Totally. but with our kids we tend to be like oh no you love school school is great you get to see your friends and so I was like, I was, I thought about this. And so I, I, it actually did help. So on Monday to my four-year-old who's in JK, I was like, I know, sweetie, I know it's a lot. You haven't been to school in three weeks. 
I understand. I'd love to just be able to cuddle with you on the couch all day, but why don't we cuddle when you come home or something like that? You know, beautiful. (laughs) No, it's, it's so interesting as the parent, we spend a lot of time. First of all, we operate on autopilot. Like there's no question about that. Mm -hmm. There's a crazy statistic that we make something like 30, 36, thousand subconscious choice like decisions a day we don't even know we're doing it right and so much of that falters into our parenting we're on autopilot especially as like busy parents working running businesses managing a household multiple children your own relationship with your partners like it's so much so we end up spending way too much time in the parent ego state where we're constantly correcting and directing and correcting and directing my rule of thumb is we don't want to be there for more than 30 percent of our day Mm. because when we're there for more than 30% of our day, we end up falling into the power struggle vortex with our kids way too often. And then we just end up really, really getting blurry with a lot of the boundaries that we're trying to set in our environment with our children. So the responsive parent, which is, is always my goal when I'm working with my clients and I'm coaching parents, you know, the responsive parent will be very mindful of how they are showing up to different situations with their kids. So they're not spending more than 30% of their time correcting and directing in the parent ego state, right? Because we, we always want to be building skills along the way. Problem solving, it's a huge one, right? And the validation piece will always reduce the stress level in a situation with your child to allow you to move into the problem solving piece, which builds that resiliency, which builds that skill. Um, so sometimes we just have to be a little more intentional and mindful to get off of autopilot in those Mm -hmm. challenging moments with our kiddos, even though we're feeling so overwhelmed and triggered (laughs) and really come back to what's going to speak to them to calm the situation right now. So you can diffuse it and move and move through it. I mean, there's always going to be hard moments, right? So It's really interesting because as you're saying that, I think too, it, it just so happens. And now I understand why, but anytime I'm really rushed, like I have a deadline of getting somewhere by a certain time, like really, really have, you know, a limited amount of time in the morning and Piper slept in and she's dragging her feet. And I start to get in that, like, we got to go like, come immediately. It all reverses. And it, ends up taking twice as long. Like those are the times where I'm actually late when I can't be late because my energy is this clearly like more frantic and I try and calm myself, but I'm frantic trying to get, you know, everyone organized and out the door like this morning. And ultimately it backfires completely. I think the morning was the worst. Put your damn shoes on. (laughs) This morning, I literally, like, I remember, I ended up remembering everything. And then I forgot my key to the office, which I came to try and get away for, like, this moment here. (laughs) And so, (laughs) thankfully, someone was able to let me in. But, like, it's the worst. And it's also the time where most parents have to get somewhere by a very specific time. And also, you want your kids at school on time. Uh, yes, a hundred percent. But our children don't understand that like they need to eat breakfast on time to get out the door to time on time so they can you can get them to school so you can get to work because you have to run your business and make money to like provide for that. They don't they don't understand that. Our kids are so in the here and now. It's like what's in front of them is the only thing that matters, right? So again, like we have this wide perspective of the world. <laughs> 
whereas they don't. So it's so important for us to step onto their agenda to bring them onto our agenda. And I want to give you just one little nugget here that I think is a bit of a mindset shift. And the way you spend your time is a direct way of how a child determines their self-worth. So if you're constantly go, 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 autopilot, autopilot, go, 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 just like constantly juggling all the pieces without stopping to connect with them, then they interpret that in a way that, I mean, breaks my heart. (laughs) And I think it's, you know, we're so, we just live in a very busy world. So by default, as busy parents, we are constantly in motion, juggling all the things. Right. So there's a lot of moving pieces here in terms of like, how do we manage our triggers? How do we manage multiple kids at once from, you know, making sure everyone's getting their needs met? And there's a lot of moving pieces. But when we look at the responsive parent model, you know, that I've created, we really want to make sure that we're putting that connection piece at the forefront, even though we might feel so rushed and stressed on the outside. (laughs) We have to stop to make it about them in that moment to bring them onto our agenda or else you're going to fall into exactly Lexi what you hit this morning where it's like you're rush 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 and they're like no I'm not putting on my shoes and I don't want to go to school and I'm not putting on my jacket and then you end up getting more flustered and that's what we call the power struggle vortex where it's just like a constant back and forth for control and power and then everyone just ends up completely stressed out of it Mm -hmm. the situation can we role play that? Because, sure. because okay, so I'm I'm Piper right now. Okay. Lexi. I, I'm me. Yeah, you be you. Because then 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 I need we need an intervention because <laughs> I know I'm gonna play this up. Get ready. So I'm gonna do what I in the yeah. frantic mode of yeah. somewhere. Yeah. All right, amazing. I love this. Okay. I love role plays. Okay. <laughs> Piper, Piper, oh my God, you're not even dressed. We got to go. We got to go. I, I, mommy's going to be late. We got to go to school. I'm still playing with Barbie. Oh, okay, you got to put par- Barbie down. We're going to go downstairs. We got to get your shoes off. We got to get to school. Right? I don't want to. Okay. Um, Piper, <laughs> you haven't even eaten breakfast yet. I, I need to get. I to don't the- like it. I got to go. Come on. I don't go. like it. Go. I need more maple syrup. Adam, Adam, <laughs> help me. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so I love that. Okay, so I just I want to bring you ten amazing role play girls. <laughs> I want to say that everything Lexi said is, is like wrong. Your very typical. No, it's not that it's wrong. It's your very typical response because right. everything was about you. Yes. I uh, we and I and we were I you know, I need you to do this and I need you to do that. Yes. To do- it was about everything was about you. So small shift, easy, small shift. She was playing with her Barbie. She didn't want to stop playing with her Barbie. Okay, fine. Oh, I love how you put the pink dress on the Barbie. Okay. I know you don't want to, I know you don't want to stop. I need you to put that Barbie in a safe, safe spot. So when you get home from school, you know exactly where it is. Right. It about her. And then you say, all right, it's in that safe spot. Come, come with me. Let's go get your shoes on. Right. So, <clears throat> Again, 
we are so automatic and autopilot yeah. constantly. The thing with our kids, like I said, they're very in the here and now, whereas you are like seven steps ahead of yourself because you're planning, you're constantly thinking, you're forecasting what you have to do to get to work on time. And there's 700 steps in between. So us as busy parents, we're constantly planning ahead of ourselves. Our yeah. kids don't know how to do that. They do not. They are very in the present, in the here and now. So it's just stepping into the present for literally like maybe two minutes that is going to save you a 15 minute like argument with them to get out the door on time. Mm -hmm. Or for some parents, it's 45 minutes. I can't tell you how many parents in my program like are 45 minutes late to getting to school because that morning mm -hmm. call is just so stressful, right? And that's the, that's the whole thought process because you think – oh, that's going to take me way longer to, to validate them, to recognize, oh, playing with the Barbie and all that. And that's what I would do normally. Like that's how I would probably normally speak right. with her when I'm not pressed for time and we're just getting to school and everything's, you know, fine, but we need to get moving. It's once you feel frantic and you stop doing that, which I can totally see is where the breakdown is, you know? So, um, that makes a lot of sense. And it's taking a little bit more time to save a lot more time and yeah. actually get out the door with everyone feeling really good about you. Yes. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's a, it's a time saver and it's a game changer. And if you feel really triggered in those moments, cause you feel stressed by the clock, there's that pressure to get out on time and you need to get out on time. The second you start to feel triggered in that moment, you need to tell yourself, my kid is not here to be bad or give me a hard time. My child is having a hard time. Mm. So it's not about you. It's about them. My child is not being bad. My child is not here to intentionally piss me off. My child is just having a hard time moving through this transition. And I need to help them. So I'm going to just put in a little bit of time now and it's going to save me that yeah that stressful argument that's going to last 30 minutes Lexi here okay so let's shift to another under the radar not so hot topic for a minute body hair everyone's got it but a lot of us want to live smoother am I right 10 years ago, I started Wax On Laser and Wax Bar. Wax On isn't just any waxing and laser hair removal bar. We are the industry leader creating a safe space that inspires people to live confidently in their own skin. Over the years, we've developed trust. Trust that you know you're getting the best quality and comfortable experience every single time. Whatever you come to Wax On for, it's going to be awesome. We've created our own exclusive gold wax formula that's like no other. It's as pain-free and long-lasting as it gets, perfect for all your waxing needs. At WaxOn, we've invested in top-of-the-line laser technology that's effective on virtually any hair and skin tone for effective results on every body. Seriously. And we carry a carefully curated collection of products. Some we make ourselves, locally I might add, and some are from brands we've fallen in love with that adhere to our values and standards of clean, good for you, and female founded. If you haven't experienced Wax On, I invite you to enjoy 20% off your first service with code WEGOTHERE. Visit waxon.ca or download the mobile app to book in with code WEGOTHERE because there is such a thing as a better hair removal experience to help you live smoother. Oh my God, we gotta go.
Nikki breakfast is my, like I, uh, yes, help. I, I don't know what it is about breakfast. Yeah. So I have this whole, I have another framework called the magic morning method. Um, because I think, Oh, magic morning. method. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you guys this, you number one, you always want to get the hardest stuff out of the way first. So for your kid, if getting dressed is hard, if you're, if eating breakfast, it takes longer. If getting the lunch bags packed in the bag, if your kid is older and they're doing all that on their own, do the hard stuff first. We want to minimize transitions in the morning as few transitions as possible. Like I tell people to even bring their toothbrushes down to the kitchen sink. Like don't make your kids run back and forth and up and down and in and out when you have 20 minutes to get this all done and get out the door. Breakfast falls into this. Um, Number one, some kids will innately wake up not hungry. So getting food in them can be really, really tough. I have one kid that clockwork eats his freaking Cheerios every single morning, wakes up asking for them. And I have one kid who like can't even look at food in the morning. So how do we work around that? Number one, I love natural consequences when they're available. If you don't eat your food, you're eventually going to be hungry and then you're going to eat. Whether that means you're going to eat in the car on the way to school, whether I'm going to put your breakfast into your backpack. A lot of schools have a breakfast program. I know when my kids get to school, there's the breakfast program is breakfast snack program. It's out waiting for them, right? So they can access food there. It's available to them. I think as parents, we have a lot of guilt when our kids don't eat because part of our role is to keep our kids healthy and safe. And part of that is making sure there's food in them. And right. So I think there's a lot of guilt that we carry that if they don't eat, oh no, but are you not going to be able to focus in class? Are you going to get tired? Are you going to be ravenous and then be a B-I-T-C-H to your teacher? Like, you right. know, so I think you have to try. And part of, I know the, the at least here in Ontario, the kindergarten curriculum is very much a structure for the little guys to um, work on regulating their, um, their sensations around hunger, thirst, um, right? So that's why food snack is typically left out for them and they can access their snack whenever they want. So t- take a little bit of pressure off yourself if they're not necessarily eating. It doesn't mean that you've done something wrong. They perhaps might not be hungry. They perhaps just might not have the attention span to sit and eat at that moment, especially if there is a lot of stress in the environment because there's a push to get out the door. Um, So pack it, take it on the go, throw it in their backpack and know that you're probably packing snacks and food for them throughout the day and they're going to eat when they're hungry. I think we've grown up with this whole idea pushed into our heads that like breakfast is the most important part of the day we have to eat in the morning so you know it's like it's just it's juggling these old ways of thinking to more of these natural consequences of when my child's hungry I trust my child can eat and and that's something you should communicate to your children because the second your child hears that you trust them oh like Mm. that is a huge bucket filler for them okay, cool. So you're not eating. I totally get it. I understand maybe your tummy's not hungry right now. I'm going to pack it in your bag. And I trust you when you're hungry, you're going to eat. You're going to have Oh man, I'm going to try that. I'll report back because I'm more like, you don't eat, you're not going to learn. It's just like... (laughs) But I I think that's because that used to be such a mantra when we were younger growing up. But 
you know, it was also a very different time where there was like very designated snack times and lunchtime and you can only eat that. And now the, the, the way, you know, when we look at all this research in the early years, especially in the kindergarten programs, it's, it's so inclusive. It's such an inclusive part of the curriculum now where kids are, you know, encouraged to listen to their bellies for when they're hungry. Like that's the whole idea around intuitive eating and raising an intuitive eater. I love that. Um, Okay. We have a couple more minutes. I want, you mentioned transitions. I want to ask about transitions for parents. So when you're coming from your busy day, you know, at the office, for example, going into dinner time, which can also be equally, I feel meal meal times just generally are a little more stressful or can be. Um, What are your recommendations in those moments. And and same goes for like in the moments where just trying to self-regulate yourself, I guess, in going into from one stage of your life into another that, yeah, can be very stressful. Yeah. Like I think it's, I think nowadays, especially it's so hard to compartmentalize Mm -hmm. parts of your life, especially if you're a busy working parent who has an iPhone, who gets their emails on their phone, who gets notifications, Um, you know, like everything is just too easily accessible, which makes it really hard to compartmentalize. So again, I think you have to intentionally ask yourself, like in the here and now, what is most important? Like you're only human. You can only focus on so much. I think when we, we start to focus on too many things at once, we get quite overwhelmed which, you know, takes away from our ability to be the responsive parent. And when I say the responsive parent, it's very much responding to your needs as much as it is responding to your child's needs. So like those triggering feelings, those feelings of overwhelm, the stress, right? You got to, we got to constantly be checking in with how we're doing and how we're feeling and where we're at emotionally, where our arousal is on our nervous system to make sure that we are regulated. So if you've had a crazy busy day at work and you're coming home to a crazy busy house of like lots of kids and, you know, kids with needs that you have to feed and get ready for bed and hang out with them, you have to do your best and compartmentalize and like remove distractions for yourself. So I think that's one piece. Like I know myself, we have in our family room, we have like a charging station dock for like the iPads and the phones. And like, we very intentionally park our phones and tablets and iPads and everything there. Yeah. And so that's, you know, distractions are out the door. Um, We need to get better at that. Adam and I always say like, that's one of our main things to do, like five, five o'clock till bedtime. No, iPhones around that might be a, a stretch like that might be yeah. a really hard starting point yes it but is even if it's, yeah it is right because we are so connected to our phones and our tablets and everything and and if that feels too much of a stretch right now start with something smaller like maybe it's you know between the hours of like when the kids get home and like when dinner starts based on that interval like mm-hmm. for me I very intentionally set my phone aside in the morning. I wake up, I wash, whatever. I just quickly check to make sure. I mean, I like to mentally prep for my day. So I like to look at my calendar in the morning, see if there's any imminent emails that I need to respond to primarily from clients because I'm very hands-on with them. Not that I'm going to respond in that moment, but I can start at least kind of 
mentally prepping for how I'm going to respond to them. And then I literally like park my phone in my like purse or pouch. And I don't, I don't look at it until I drop my kids off at school. So my mornings are very, very focused on them. Like we have our mornings down to a science, like our Mm -hmm. house runs like a well-oiled machine in the morning. And I think a big part of it is because the two of us, my husband and I, like we don't touch our phones. We quickly look to mentally prep ourselves. And then it's like, it's a way until we shut the door after getting in the car and dropping the kids off. And then we go into work mode. So, so you know, sometimes you got to just start small, like start making small little changes that actually feel attainable for you. And I, Nikki, I, you probably talk a lot about, you know, this when you're working with your clients and, you know, training and all this stuff, but we want to make changes that are sustainable. Um, so sometimes you just got to start small and do something that feels good for you. You don't feel like you have to reach for like this ideal interval of I'm not looking at my phone between like getting home and bedtime because mm-hmm. some parents need that refuge. They need that minute to look at their phone to just like detach from the craziness of the home to re-regulate themselves. Like for right. some parents, that's calming. So yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so there shouldn't be too much guilt around that, but we wanna we wanna start small and work our way to something that is sustainable and that works for your family. Yeah. Transitions are hard in general, like for our kids, for us change it's change change is hard Mm -hmm. right so I think the more aware we are of it the more we can better regulate ourselves and I think just coming Mm -hmm. back to this question of like what is most important right now like what can be more important than my children in this very moment like those emails I can get to them later you know or the boundary setting is such a big one I think and that's something that we've spoken about on this podcast before just struggling with it like also this expectation of responsivity, like at all times, yeah. I have students and people in all different time zones, like the emails don't stop ever. Like I'll wake up to them coming in from Europe, wherever, right. And, and, or the DMS or whatever. And it's funny, like when we were away for the last two weeks, because I was with the kids all day, I didn't check all day. Cause I'd be at the water park or like Legoland or whatever, you know what I mean? And I would check after bedtime because I was still needing to be on and respond. And I found that less stressful. And now that I'm home, I'm actually having a harder time falling asleep at night because all day I'm toggling my attention between like DMs, emails, content creation, like phone calls. And then the when the kids are home, I still feel like this, oh, I haven't been productive enough today. So they're home and I'm trying to make dinner and simultaneously be on the phone. And it's just, and I recognize it like intellectually that it is not sustainable. I'm like, no shit, I'm not sleeping well anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think the greatest gift you can give yourself as a busy parent is saying no to yourself. Mm-hmm. like no I will check those emails later no yes content can get created tomorrow like <laughs> do you know what I mean it's mm-hmm. it's saying no it feels so good it feels so 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 good um and it, it takes practice it's not a it's not an easy thing to do it seems easy but you're absolutely right with like holding boundaries and, mm-hmm. and for me being the responsive parent is first actually being responsive to yourself before you're responsive to your kids. Cause if you're not responsive to yourself, then you are going to have a very hard time being responsive to your child's needs, incredibly hard time. And mm-hmm. by being responsive to yourself, I mean, making sure that 
You're checking in with your arousal levels, making sure you're feeling calm, centered, grounded, balanced. Um, and we're not perfect. Sometimes we're not going to feel <laughs> calm and sometimes we're not going to feel centered, grounded and balanced out. And that's fine. But we have to recognize that and then move through it in a way where we can bring ourselves back down to a level like an equilibrium, right? Where we can then step in. And if we have to step in and we're not at our best for our kids, then you have to be honest with your kids and let them know that because that's beautiful modeling. Mm, then yeah. you can model coping. Like that's a beautiful opportunity. That's a beautiful teaching opportunity. So yeah. again, it's bringing intention, being responsive to yourself and your kids and stop striving for perfection because there's just no, there's no such thing. <laughs> there's no such thing. So, so true. And so great. Like actually expressing yourself like, Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. Sorry. I, I, I actually said this to Piper the other day. I was like, I'm so sorry. I reacted that way. I was just having a bit of a hard time myself. And she was like, Oh, like her face, her reaction was like, Oh, like, kind of like thrown, but also empathetic towards me. Like, okay, that's all right. Like I forgive you. Like, oh, you're apologizing to me. Like I'm that's okay. I forgive you, mommy. Don't worry. You saw the empathy. You saw the empathy. I saw, I know it's like, it's there. It's there. (laughs) The more you the more you are honest with your kids about the way whether you've had a rough day at work or whether you're not feeling well or something happened that really upset you. Like the more you share that with your kids in obviously a very age appropriate way, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the more you normalize these things, right? And this is where we build resiliency. When kids can find comfort with discomfort, we have to find comfort in it so we can express it. Mm-hmm. But then when, you know, we do that, our kids, we neutralize it and we make it very known that like, it's okay to have a bad day and it's okay to be upset. Mm-hmm. You narrate, you validate, and then you plan and you work through it. Right. Yeah. So um, so many helpful nuggets here. Like amazing. Right, Nikki? Yeah. And the magic morning method, get the hard stuff over with right away, whatever that might be for your kid. I love yeah. that. And minimize yeah. transitions. Yeah. Mornings are tough, but um, I hope I'm not overwhelming. I could talk about this stuff. Oh no, my God. You're, I think you're un- like, this is calming me. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yes. I feel like I can go into this evening really well prepared um, and, uh, it's really helpful. I think everyone will find these, uh, tips and tricks very helpful and, and, e- and easy to implement in, in, you know, their day-to-day lives. So thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. We'll have to do another topic <laughs> soon because we could talk for a long time here. Long time for sure. Yes. <laughs> Tell us more about where people can find you. If you have any, you know, places where people can sign up for more resources, anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I I'm quite active on Instagram. That's Corey underscore Stern, C O R I underscore S T E R N. I am regularly hosting um, my signature workshop, How to Avoid and Prevent Power Struggles. So I try to do them quite regularly. It's a free workshop for any parent that just wants to come and learn. Um, I'm actually hosting it one today after. Oh, amazing. Oh, amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, they happen quite regularly. So if you connect with me on Instagram, then I can always get you signed up for one of those. And um, if you're if you're more of a Facebook user, I have a Facebook group called Behave It or Not, where I share a lot of tips and resources. And it's an awesome community um, where parents are just really, really supportive. Um, so yeah, like, please connect. I love connecting with parents and, um, 
yeah, just like jump onto one of those platforms and say hi. That would be so cool. I can't wait to tell everybody about it. I'm going to take a picture now and share it on social and tell everyone to sign up for your workshop. (laughs) Yay! All right. Well, take care. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode. And in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at WeGoTherePodcast and check out WeGoTherePodcast.com for more info.